Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. <laughs> the worst titty discs. <laughs> get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another futuristic, generational-tastic episode of Fanholes Comics, motherfucker! Do you read them? Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm gonna be one of your hosts tonight, but I am not alone. I have my fellow Fanhole Starfleet members here with me tonight. Why don't you guys all give a shout-out and let everybody know who's here tonight. Hey, it's Mike, and I banged my head. Ah! Ah. This is Justin. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. Hey, guys, this is Tony, and my ship's the tornado. It goes really fast. Yeah, so we're here. We're here tonight to celebrate the the 20th anniversary. We we last regaled you with the original series, miniseries of the Modala Imperative. And as promised, we're back to discuss Star Trek The Next Generation, the Modala Imperative, issues one through four. The publisher was, of course, DC Comics. The cover dates were early September 1991 to late October 1991, but the actual on-sale dates were in the summer, July 16, 1991 to August 27, 1991. The cover price of all the issues was a whopping $1.75. This was one of those deluxe format comic books. The editor was Robert Greenberger. The writer was Peter David. The artist was Pablo Marcos. The letterer, Robert M. Pinaja. The colorist, Tom J. McCraw. And, of course, the, the fantastic covers were by Adam Hughes and Carl Story. The story titles for all four issues, In Memory Yet Green, Lies and Legends, Prior Claim, Game, Set, and Match. And I'll give a hopefully brief synopsis of the four issues, and then we can all get into the nitty-gritty and discuss. So the Enterprise is invited, the Enterprise D, is invited to represent the Federation at the 100th anniversary of Modala's freedom. Admiral, Admiral, Admiral McCoy joins the Enterprise on their way to Modala. En route, they are joined by Ambassador Spock. On the planet Modala, social unrest looms during the preparations for celebration. Meanwhile, Spock and McCoy acquaint themselves with the Enterprise and its crew. Picard, Troy, and their guests transport to Modala for the celebration. Then the Enterprise is called away to help a cargo ship in distress. During the opening ceremony, the Ferengi make their appearance. It is revealed that they were the ones who made the deal for the ownership of the planet 100 years ago. And now it is time to collect. The Ferengi create a panic upon their arrival. They capture McCoy and Troy, but Spock, Picard, and the Modalan leaders escape. The Enterprise confirms that the attack on the Federation freighter was purposely meant to divert them, and they race back to Modala at their best speed. A rescue attempt sees the entire Enterprise landing party, as well as the Modalan leaders, become Ferengi captives. But with Spock's help, Troy and McCoy escape. To prevent the execution of Modala's leaders, Picard challenges the Ferengi, Daemon Tran, to personal combat, with Modala and the Enterprise as the stakes. Picard defeats the Daemon, and the Enterprise returns in time to ensure the Ferengi leave the planet. 
And that pretty much, hopefully, is the short and sweet synopsis of the four issues of Star Trek The Next Generation, The Modala Imperative. So, what did you guys think? Better than Generations. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, this is a much better, like, crossover than that was, I think. Like, I feel, well... Like, a, they don't have to, like, bring Kirk into it, basically. But, like, it's like McCoy and Spock are enough. Like, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's, that's you know, good enough. Like, and, yeah, like, I, I enjoyed this a lot. I think I, I had a m- better connection to this than I did, like, the first, like, half of the crossover. Just because I, I have a more affinity for the Next Generation cast. So, like, you know, and it was still nice to see, you know, McCoy show up and do more than you know like a two minute cameo or whatever right, and actually right. like pal around with everyone so like, I, I get, i'm curious how, how do you feel about the the next generation's cast's portrayal in this like do you you're happy to see mccoy but do you, do you think like spock and mccoy overshadowed any of your favorite there, next generation characters or did they all kind of get a spot in the sun for you for the most part, yes, but you like as your like you know avatar shows and stuff. I did feel like Picard kind of got like owned, like he got you know hit in the head with a <laughs> rock, and then he got trampled. And like I like I was joking earlier, like I was thinking of like him doing like Professor Xavier screams when he was being trampled, like ah, like well you know he's, and then, he's like, doing you know, he he's doing to, the uh, the Picard maneuver, which yeah. is to surrender, right? Like that's, yeah, that's, yielded that's what, to the stampeding yeah. crowd, yeah. And then like Spock has to carry him like a sack of potatoes out of there, like so. yes. And the rest assured that Spock's opinion of him did not uh, that 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 did not diminish Spock's opinion of the captain even though he had to carry him around like the sack of potatoes. I mean, he kind of makes up for it at the end, right? I mean, he 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 beats Damon Tran in that that cube fight which apparently it, it was was a rigged fight, right? So he 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 beat the house, right? Like essentially, like he 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 beat a dirty rotten cheater. So even if like Batman tried to kick Picard in the nards, like uh, apparently Picard would be able to withstand it because he's he's that cool, I guess. But yeah, yeah, yeah. This is also still like really early on when like the Ferengis are more Klingon-y than Ferengi. They're like more brutal and and savage instead of being you know more merchants and you know wheelers and dealers. Well, I mean they they wheeled and dealed for the planet. I mean they traded guns for the planet, so. I mean, they're still they're still being salesmen and wheeler dealers, right? Like, I mean, that's still a a thing with the Ferengi. Yeah, but he has the whip on that fucking cover, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got the whip. He th- th- these are, I mean, the, the the daemon and everything. I mean, these are these are certainly. I mean, there, there's references to around when this is set, and if you if you look at the fourth issue, there's actually this really. It reminds me of like the detailed listings in the letter columns when i used to read punisher comics and they took a tally of like how many people he's killed and they list like each person for like whatever issue but instead with star trek the next generation if you look at the last issue here they have like all the star dates and then they line them up with episode titles and issue numbers and stuff like that so i mean this is this is obviously after the best of both worlds, but you know, I mean, I, I, I suppose we, we haven't quite, you know, of course we haven't quite gotten to, you know, the, the Ferengi of deep space nine yet, but I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and they do mention stuff like the Borg and this pre unification just, uh, Justin. Yes. Yep. Okay. So Spock showing up was actually a really big deal. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't well, sure. Yeah. The episode Sarek, where you know they uh, Sarek was suffering from that illness and had to do the mind meld with Picard. Like I think I think Spock mentions like you know Pic- you know Captain Picard did my father you know quite a service, and that's what he's referencing. Did you know? Love you. I do. Love you. 
that would probably be the the biggest fanboy moment, I guess, for a Star Trek fan, is that Spock and fucking McCoy have the Picard versus Kirk debate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Peter David's like quite into all the the nuances and continuity and all that kind of stuff. He's he's making references to to past episodes of the next generation he's making you know i don't know there, there's like that one page where it was like he references like five episodes and then like two panels or something because spock and mccoy are just you know reminiscing about the old times he's like you know remember that time in the deadly years where we couldn't remember shit because we were all really old and then like after that it's like he just he name drops like edith keeler and just all kinds of stuff so i mean you know that it's it's written by somebody who definitely uh is it has has a a vast amount of knowledge of the the franchise at their fingertips. Oh yeah, like Peter David, like I know he was not only a well-respected comic book writer, but like he was one of the most like I guess you would say uh, appreciated Star Trek writers because he of course did comics, but he also of course is well known for his novels. So like he he knows his shit, as they say. Yeah, like I'm 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 very familiar with Peter David too, even if I'm not familiar with the Star Trek work. So I could, you know, I could tell this was a, a quality, like, you know, outing. Yeah, I think everybody seems on point too, like because at this point, like I guess the TNG crew hasn't really had a lot of time to develop, you know, really. But like I think he really nails like McCoy. I like all of McCoy's McCoy-isms, I guess you would say. <laughs> during the four issues like he just does a lot of stuff that in my head i could hear before it's kelly saying it you know in his voice you know i don't see no points on your ears boy but you sound like a vulcan no sir i'm an android Hmm. almost as bad i mean i i kind of think like that the you know some of it might even be like peter davidisms too you know because there's there's a lot of that acerbic wit and and then that's kind of grafted onto things that spock and mccoy will say to one another right like you know like you know the the whole thing where you know he's kind of like oh i thought you know vulcans weren't supposed to look so old at your age and spock's kind of like it was my understanding that humans were dead at your age you know like (laughs) it's kind of like bam you know like that kind of stuff you know where they're they're basically you know kind of like you know or, or like there's the the funny bit where you know McCoy's talking to all the kids and he he's he's he you know he's he's basically like you know back in my day there there were no kids on starships and they're like really like who did who did the adults punish and he's it turns over to Spock and he's like well you know he he was a Vulcan so we punished him and and he enjoyed it or whatever you know and he's making a crack at Spock's expense but then later it's funny when the little kid like is is getting surgery and he's kind of like oh you're a Vulcan like you're a doctor Vulcan like uh, the admiral says you guys like to be punished, you know. He's like, okay, get me out of here before I get canceled, you know, like kind of thing. I did, I did like during the kids scene that they they maintain the uh, trope that Picard doesn't like kids <laughs> like that. You know what made me laugh in issue one, and I completely forgot about it until I saw it was um, Data swimsuit. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When he shows up like <laughs> yeah. a freaking sailor oh, or whatever, and, and then and then Riker's like. He's like, tilt your head, it'll make it better. And then he's like, pose like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Drives the women wild, yeah. You can, he definitely tells us the product of the time, too, because even McCoy is talking to Riker, and he's like, you remind me a lot of, you know, James T. Kirk, you know? And he's like, William T. Riker's like, get Tiberius? And he's like, no. And he's like, yeah, you know, you, you do remind me a lot of them. You know, you do, how do you do with the women? And he's like, I do. I get my fair share, maybe a little bit more. He's <laughs> like, you really do remind me of Kirk. <laughs> this, this, like, like I, I guess the only thing I could say is like, this didn't seem like an action-packed series, but I don't think it was supposed to be. You know, I don't think. I think it was like, you know, it had its beats. You know, like you said, Picard gets knocked on the head. We have like a little starship fight. That's not really a fight. The 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 Ferengi pretty much womp on that uh, freighter until you know. They get the desired outcome of them being in distress and all that good stuff. But, like, I don't know. It did have that kind of 60s flavor of the, like, the crew just kind of <laughs> skulking around and trying to figure out how to, you know, 
save the day, and then like you know you you, you had your big you know. I guess astral mind projection fight between Damon Tran and uh, Picard, which was which was interesting because like like you you see it in 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 film and like on TV you've seen Patrick Stewart be sad or break down you know there are four lights you know whatever, but like just seeing it on a page stuck you know frozen because it's a drawing, he's got that sad face at one point you're just like oh Picard. <laughs> Yeah, when he was doing the like game, the cube thing with the uh, the Ferengi, like <laughs> I was kind of like again, like I heard Professor Xavier in my mind, like my mind. <laughs> the the whole cube thing feels like it could have been either something from the original series or maybe like season one of Next Generation. I thought mm. I always thought that was kind of a. An I mean, thing. I, I I didn't think it was all that different from the you know, the, the stargazer episode, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the way that, that, that Ferengi was manipulating him with the little cube thing or the, the, the orb thing, sphere mm-hmm. thing. I mean, it's cube sphere. Like, I mean, it clearly <laughs> like Ferengi technology. I mean, it's like, okay, it's a, it's a cube that glows. It's a sphere that glows. I mean, to me, I'm kind of like, ah, oh, it's the same fucking shit. Right. Like, like pretty much. Right. Like, so I, I, I think David took what, what he knew about the Ferengi to that point and tried to, you know, incorporated into this this story and everything. I mean, I, I kind of agree that, like, this is a little, to me, this is a little slower paced compared to the original series one. And it's interesting because, you know, Mike prefers this because he's more familiar with the characters. And I would say that this is, this is much more character driven. Like, you know, you have this kind of, I don't know if it's a tearful one, but it's a, it's, it's a joyful reunion between, Spock and McCoy, you know, almost, you know, you know, you know, underscored with all the kind of witticisms and, you know, acerbic kind of comments and that kind of thing. But I mean, essentially, you know, Spock shows up, there's these big splash pages and double splash pages. It's a huge deal. You know, when he comes on the comm, everybody's like, oh, my, like, we'll let him on right away. You know, like kind of thing and all that shit. And then when he shows up, McCoy gives him a hug and they you know, they have commerce and talk and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, that's, that's all very character driven. And, 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 you know, even the, the interactions with the crew on the holodeck and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like it's kind of what you would have come to know from the next, you know, in other words, like the tones of both these series, like they're both Star Trek, but the tone of the, the first miniseries was decidedly, you know, I mean, it's kind of as it should be like, like the, when, when you say it out loud, maybe it sounds stupid, but it's like, it, I, I think it's important to note that the tone of the original miniseries or the, the original series miniseries of the Modal Imperative felt like an episode of the original series, like we said the last time around. And this miniseries decidedly feels like it could be like a two-part episode of the next generation you know like that the tones the way everything plays out i mean to, to me it feels like they you know they, they they had that down pat you know the, the 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 dialogue the vibe the the tone you know yeah yeah i mean i was thinking that when i was like reading it i was like this does kind of play out like a tng script you know kind of like how they would do stuff and i will say the art while it's not in your face like it's not like wow bang zow like the the artist is really good at capturing a lot of facials like data looks spot on uh, uh, picard looks a little weird sometimes every once in a while but uh that's fine but i i i think it was above average i'll say the art was definitely like they definitely captured like the vibe like you said derek and also you know the the uh Ferengi looked really good like the 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 facial expressions on them looked very menacing and you know especially that first splash page where they first reveal that they're there and he, he looks like like almost like a real demon you know it's like i i think the art was definitely the artist was definitely an appropriate choice uh like mike was saying or no Justin was saying about the uh data in his little uh sailor suit that whole holodeck scene where they're at the the beach or whatever the pool and like everything is so nicely detailed and stuff like that, and you know, and it's just I don't know it, it 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 looked very almost for the time you know this is thirty years old it looked very photorealistic almost. 
Derek, I didn't Marcos do that first TNG like six issue limited series before the article? I I think so, yeah. Yeah, so he so the the artist of this has experience drawing these characters, Tony, because he I think he did like the first like six six issue limited series, and then after that it it launched into like an ongoing series. So oh, okay, cool. It's, it's still really like you know obviously I'm sort of a noob when it comes to Star Trek comics, but it still like you know kind of amazes me that this is like like not i mean i know mccoy showed up in like you know the the pilot or whatever but this is like the first big sort of crossover yeah. between you know the original cast and the next generation i mean and, we 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 tried to sort of give you you know like let you come to this fresh per se like we didn't try to spoil too much for you but i i know the the last episode me and justin were both kind of like this i mean when you were in the shit right like this this was a big deal right because yeah. you're like holy shit they're gonna you know like they're like like yeah mccoy had the cameo and everything but the, like you say he's he's involved in the entire story and then you're like holy fuck like spock's back and everything and th this this could almost i mean y y you know what's funny about it is like this this could have almost turned into an alien three situation for me like i mean that that's the thing that you kind of have to ask yourself it's like like tony mentioned like did this happen before unification and yes it did and to me this was the first thing i imprinted on right and in some sense unification kind of wipes this story out of the water right like like it kind of gets rid of it per se right but at the time this was you know this this was a pretty big deal and i mean as far as like the art goes i think i think if i picked out like my favorite page i kind of like the the opening it's kind of a splash but not i don't know not really it's it's like that opening page in the second issue where they they have that collage of all the you know mccoy's talking about i've seen vulcans and you know, it, you know, it's like I got to see him murderous and ecstatic and dying and reborn and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it was it was fun seeing that collage of different emotions with Spock, but also, you know, Spock through the ages. You know, they've got him, you know, under the pond far and, you know, they've got him like, you know, overjoyed that Captain Kirk's still alive and. You know, they've got him in, in Star Trek 2 and, and the motion picture and all that kind of stuff. So it's like that I always thought was was kind of fun. I was wondering, though, Justin, what did you think of the uh, the Beverly splash in her in her swimsuit? Like, was that something that you're like, oh, cool, like there's something you don't get to see on the show every day or whatever? But yeah, I and um, what I noticed is uh her hair, her hair is colored improperly. It's like white, like the clouds that are. Yeah, for for a minute there, you're like looking and you're like, what? When when did Dolphin get into my Star Trek comic <laughs> yeah. book? You know. Yeah, but I, I I like that. That's that's nice. The ongoing series would often do a lot of stuff like that. Like I remember there's an issue where like Riker and Jordy go on vacation somewhere, and it's like most of the whole issue is they're like in civilian, you know, civilian clothing, is which is something. You don't see a lot of on the mm. series. It's mostly just they're in their uniforms or even when they're like relaxing, it seems like they're always like, you know, they're at 10 forward in their uniforms. Like they're they're at a recital, you know, Data's playing his violin. Everyone's in their uniforms. So you don't get to see a whole lot of people just like in normal, regular clothing. And I always wondered if it was if that was like a, a deliberate choice because they didn't want to like come up with like wacky future clothing future clothing that would be dated later on or something yeah it's like oh look at this future clothing that they clearly came up with in 1989 well i mean <laughs> i mean not not to put a not to put a you know a uh, uh, fine point on it but i mean isn't isn't that probably the peril of uh picard right that they're all running around in non-uniforms and eventually like you know you know whether it's uh, a week later or or 20 years later you're going to look back on it and kind of go oh look they're just wearing like whatever they were wearing right like yeah you know kind of like you know 
Riker's got would his it, chef outfit or whatever it is, right? And that's it. Would it know? would it be better if they like taped like holographic tape to like all their sleeves and stuff like that? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine like somebody has like a, a, a outdoors woodsy flannel that's like red and black, but then it's got that fucking highlighted hollow tape like to every like little seam, like Picard's like, photo oh. album and generations, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Kirk's uh, casual, open-chested uh, captain's shirt was pretty badass. You know, we could we could have a flannel with like gold trim. You know, like that. We could we could have that. Yeah. I was gonna ask Justin. Th- th- this is something that I I think I was trying to remember what my take on this was at the time, and maybe I just thought it was like a hair too untold, unrevealed story, or like something that we would find out later, but. I, I did do some research, so I kind of know a answer to this, but I kind of wanted to pose the question to you and let you run with it. But there's there's an interesting line that McCoy has to Spock where, you know, they're, they're, they're talking and they're asking, like, you know, who he would prefer to be the captain. Like, would he prefer, you know, Kirk or Picard to be the captain of, of this mission? Like, would he feel more comfortable with whatever captain? And he kind of diffuses the... Uh, the fanboy debate by saying, well, I'd want you to be the captain Spock. And if you tell anybody about this, even your wife, like I'll totally deny it. And I, I thought that was like an interesting line. Cause you're like, Oh, Spock's got a wife, you know? And like, who is this wife? And are they going to tell us anything about it? And they just kind of drop that and, and don't really do anything with that in the context of this mini series. But uh, you know, I, I do know that they they have taken it in certain directions in the, 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 you know, non-canon material. So I was curious what your take on that was. And if you remembered knowing anything about that at the time you read this, or if it was something that you, like me, I can totally say that's something I found out later, right? Like, I think it was in that episode with Sarek where Picard mentioned he was at Sarek's son's wedding. And mm-hmm. I was always like, well, that's a weird thing to just drop. Like, okay, yeah, like I- Picard was at Spock's wedding. So you're like, well, who did Spock get married to? So yeah. I always wondered about that. And I did catch that little line in this issue at the time. I was like, oh, there's another reference for that. Like, they're going to, like, do something with this eventually. And they did, but it was when it, it was a series of novels. I think maybe they came out in the late 90s or early 2000s where, like, it spans, like, several decades, I think. But basically, Spock and Savick get married and it ties into they they have an adventure that ties into like the destruction of the enterprise c and then they bring back the female romulan commander from the enterprise incident and they get her involved Mm. and i don't think i ever read the third novel (laughs) i I think there's like a three in those and i i'm blanking on what happens in the other one but yeah like that that was something, you know, that was it was always rumored and alluded to that, like, you know, the reason Savick stayed behind on Vulcan in Star Trek Four was he was pregnant with Spock's child yeah. because, you know, they did the, the Ponfar. Yeah, the the mindless Spock went through Ponfar, and so they, you know, she stays behind, and eventually they get married and blah blah blah. But I, they've kind of like walked away from that whole continuity. I mean, the novels are their own continuity and stuff, but they're they're usually consistent within other novels but the mm. last f- several years they walked away from that like they they had a whole novel that was basically devoted to Savick and what happens to her like from Star Trek 4 up to like maybe the end of Star Trek 6 and she kind of has her own series of adventures and she has her own romance and basically in that novel she talks about how uncomfortable the whole situation was for her because like Spock started out as her teacher and her mentor Mm -hmm. and then she had to basically you know (laughs) go through pond far with him he's mindless and he's much younger and it's so weird for her because she only ever looked at him as a teacher and in that novel they completely abandoned that whole like previous novel continuity of they get married it's just they just completely go away from it and i you know i was always okay with you know savik and spot getting married and whatever but then i i thought about it from that perspective like you know it's like okay that that makes a lot of sense i can you know savik is uh 
half Vulcan. You know, she's half Vulcan, half Romulan. So I can I can see her becoming, you know, emotional about such a weird thing happening and having to endure like all that, you know, weird, wacky like Star Trekness. It's like, oh, I'm having sex with my teacher, and he's like a mindless like, you know teenager now and you're just like oh this is so weird so i was does, like okay that makes sense i'm like does that make david marcus like the nightwing in this batgirl batman situation <laughs> or something well it also kind of helps the uh <clears throat> the star trek 6 thing because i forgot kim Cattrall's character but like Valerius? it was yeah it was definitely hinted that there was like some kind of relationship between her and spock like i don't know if they did the nasty but she definitely seemed like she wanted to pawn far with Spock, if nothing else. Well, the original idea there was it was going to be Savick returning. Like yeah, they it was wanted, they, Savick. Yeah, yeah, they wanted Christiality to come back, and she she wouldn't or wanted too much money, and then Gene Roddenberry got wind of it, and he was like, oh, you can't have Savick betray you know, Starfleet. Like, that's outrageous. And then, you know, they were like, why is Gene so upset? Like, Gene had no hand in the creation of Savick. But, like, I guess Gene did that, like, you know, Gene did his Gene thing and raised a big stink, and they actually listened to him. Like, they didn't, you know, they couldn't get Kirstie Alley. They didn't want Robin Curtis, which always kind of felt sad for her because they're like, oh, we want Kirstie Alley. We could get Robin Curtis. No, let's just make a whole new character. <laughs> so <laughs> right. I, I wouldn't have liked that either. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, like, I – whether it's, you know, Kirstie Alley or Robin Curtis, like, I always liked the character of Savick. So seeing her betray, like, Kirk and Spock and everybody and get involved in a conspiracy, I, like, I would not have liked that. So I was fine with them inventing Valeris. Or are you more of the, like, it, 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 since since that one novel that went through her history in the, the I guess, the, you know, red shirt movies or whatever you want to call them, right? Like, that, that re-examined her history with Spock like are, do you lean towards that more now where you think maybe he was married to some other woman who he didn't bring to Romulus with him after unification or or have you considered like is it possible that Savick eventually you know met up with him on Romulus you know like like I don't know like that those are things I think about like did, did if he was married did his wife eventually join him did was he forever estranged from his wife just to bring about unification on Romulus like is that a price he had to pay for for you know uh, I guess enacting his vision of peace you know type thing like so, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if I guess if you think about it like he basically pulled a Goku but instead of like abandoning you know like Gohan for 12 years like he he abandons you know Chi Chi for 12 years or whatever, right, right right like that, that that he goes off to fight clouds and shit while uh, <laughs> Chi Chi's at home or whatever yeah um but yeah these days I kind of lean towards that uh, Savick solo novel but as to whether like they they met up and reconciled and got married or Spock had another wife I kind of want to think that he just married someone else and it's just one of those tales we may never yeah, no. yeah. I don't know, there's a part of me that, like, kind of wishes, like, you know, he would have married a human woman. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, kind of like, like his dad. Or, yeah. or I always thought it would have been kind of neat if he could have went back in time and, like, rescued Zarebeth, you know, from the that, that one episode where Spock and McCoy were trapped in the, the Ice Age and, you know, Spock basically falls in love with her and he became, you know, his emotions are all stirred up and he almost strangles McCoy, like... That's such a sad ending because you're like, not only does the planet blow up, but like she's like trapped, you know, in the ice age like a million years ago or something. But I was always like, couldn't they have went back in time and just, you know, snatched her out of there? And there's a couple of novels that do spin out of that, but it's like basically Zerabeth ended up having a son and he ends up like causing weird hijinks through the Guardian of Forever or something. And it's like, Spock ends up going through the Guardian to save the son he didn't know, but it's like a barbarian setting. It's like, you know, it's, there's no more Ice Age. It's like, it's it's kind of like if, like, you put Spock in a Conan the Barbarian novel. Mm. And I always thought that was kind of cool, but it's like, she's, you know, she, I think she was already dead by the time he back. I, I don't really remember. Yeah. So sometimes, I mean, it probably doesn't line up with the timing, you know, the, the, 
you know, Picard attending the wedding and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But there, there's that aspect of me that wonders one, like there's a lot of people that ship Spock and the Romulan commander. Yeah. And if he eventually ends up on Romulus, could he not eventually end up with the Romulan commander, right? Re- rekindle that passion or romance, or you, you could come to it from the approach of, you know, you know, I, I, I don't know any nice way to say this, but, you know, it's it's the whole, you know, my girlfriend's a vegetarian. So that pretty much makes me a vegetarian <laughs> thing. So it's like yeah. if he marries a Romulan, like he pretty much has to go and do unification. You know what I mean? Like that's that might be one of the primary motivating factors that is heretofore unknown, you know, like that that kind of vibe, I guess. But th- those are just things that cross my mind about it. It, it I don't been... want to unify the empire, <laughs> honey. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I think it's those um those novels where Spock and Savick do get married. I, you know, she's the Romulan commander. She's involved in that. I think they say that like when she returned, you know, she was captured at the end of the episode. She eventually is. I think there's some kind, there's some sort of prisoner exchange maybe. And when she returns home, she's just completely like stripped of her command. She is completely dishonored and stuff. And I think in that novel, she's trying to, like, regain her honor through some espionage or, or something. I can't remember. It, it's been almost 20 years since I've read those books. But there there are a, a few novels that kind of touch on her and her fate briefly. And it's never – I don't think it's ever a happy ending. I think most of them go in the direction of, oh, she was a POW. She was exchanged, and now she's completely dishonored, and no one wants anything to do with her. She's kind of like a pariah on Romulus. Let me ask you guys this. It's been a very long time since I've seen that Spock episode of Next Generation. What from that invalidates this series? I think it's the first time Spock ever meets Picard in the next generation. Yeah, that's what for, I figured. Yeah. Like, is it you know, they like, like they've never I met mean, before? Yeah. yeah, you couldn't. I mean, of course, that episode does not adhere to this. It's not like they're like Spock, my old friend. Let's go, <laughs> you know, stop Romulus or some shit. I mean, basically, they're remember for... remember when you carried me around like a sack of potatoes? I mean, I mean, I mean, the the main thing about it, yeah, exactly. Like that that does not that doesn't happen, right? Like, I mean, the the main gist of that two parter is the first part. Spock doesn't appear in it at all. They're like, you, you know, the admirals come on and they're like, dude, we have a defector and they went to romulus it's this really famous guy and then they zoom in on the close-up and then you're like holy shit it's it's ambassador spock and they know who he is but not like you know not like they know him know him from this episode you know these this series of comics like that they've they've been in an adventure with him it's it's more like you know i i once went to the guy's wedding and he's like fucking famous it's me going like oh holy shit it's uh you know, fucking George Washington on the monitor. You know, it's like, I know who it is, but it's not like, it's not like me and George Washington, like, went and fucking chopped down logs together. Or anything. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's the main distinction. And then, of course, when, when you know, he shows up at the end, he takes off his hood, and it's like, you know, hey, what's up? I'm Spock. You know, like, and, and, and that's, to, to me, like, it, it's like they, they have a similar exchange about, Sarek, I think, if I recall correctly, and like that, you know, so so uh, some of the plot points or some of the exchanges that are spoken of in this miniseries get revisited in a different manner in the other series, and it's just, you know, it, it to me, it'd be one of those things, like, it'd be a massive headache if you were trying to somehow, I don't know, squeeze both of these into the you know, timeline, it would make, I mean, that, that would be like, dude, once Picard got hit with that thing in the head, it would mean he forgot the entire fucking comic. You know what I mean? Then you'd have to be like, well, Data will remember because he's an android. You're like, oh, man, this is a headache. Yeah. And then then you're like, okay, you know, basically that way lies madness. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the the entire cast got like trampled by a crowd (laughs) and they all got concussions. Damon Tran, Damon Tog, all these guys like teamed up for vengeance and they wiped their memories of the entire (laughs) comic series. Um, It was actually lore the whole time. Since you're talking about continuity, though, at the beginning, Derek, you mentioned you mentioned that issue that had the the huge guide. Like I remember that was so fascinating and useful to me at the time because it, it had like the episodes in order with the comics and with the novels, and I was like, yeah. oh, man, this is so great! Like someone 
someone like took the time to try and put these in order. And I remember I, I didn't do everything on the list, but I remember trying to like attempt certain stuff. I'm like, okay, I've got these episodes on tape. I've got these comics and I've got these novels. So I'm going to try and go in order. And I did that for a little while, but I still, you know, I was, I was just fascinated and pleased that someone like took that much time to create that list. And I just remember like looking it over like, a lot so that that last issue was very helpful to me just putting stuff in order i mean i'm I'm looking it over now i i just remember being impressed at all the yeah. start dates like yeah i mean i mean there's a lot of them where it's like they're like fuck it all like date unknown like we don't know but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna put this here you know like in between these episodes or whatever but like i i do remember that being like a huge deal where i was like whoa this is cool like i don't i don't know that i i, I never tried to do a I, it sounds weird a read watch project based <laughs> on that like uh-huh. but but I, I I remember because you know we we've discussed the the original next generation miniseries you know because that was one of the the issues I brought but it's like I remember being kind of oh so so that you know it's like look there there's this episode there's this episode you know but but basically like you know it's like it's the pilot and then it's the mini. And then and then, you know, Beverly unzips her shirt and is like, oh, it's hot in here. You know what I mean? Like, like I was like I was like yeah. putting it all together in my head going, oh, I see. And then and then this is where this comes into it and stuff. So I I always thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, there was a time when I think Paramount actually was on top of continuity. Yeah, they they, they yeah. wanted it to all make sense. You know, they wanted it to like, you know, this means this, this means this. So this has to do this. And then they did. They just stopped caring. We're rebooting everything. Screw it. But like, yeah, like the the that that doesn't surprise me. That's why I was wondering if this had taken place before that, because yeah, yeah like Derek said, like you know, even for the teasers for that episode, because they didn't usually do a lot of teasers for Star Trek, but like they would have. They, I remember when that uh, uh, two-parter was coming out, they even had like special commercial. You know, a legend from the past returns. The fate of two worlds hangs in the balance. An uncertain future confronts the next generation. Now, a hero from the past crusades for peace in the darkest hour of future history. Spock, coming this November to Star Trek The Next Generation. I I remember that, and I remember being excited for that episode, but... I didn't know it was the episode when I tuned into it. You know, Derek, Derek, like, accurately described that opening teaser. Like, I didn't know that was a Spock episode until they showed his face. I was like, holy crap, it's a Spock episode. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Like, I I just tuned in to watch TNG because, you know, habit. You know, it's always on at 6 o'clock. So whether it was a rerun or not, I would usually watch it. I was like, holy shit, it's a Spock episode. Oh, my God. Right, yeah. I mean, it was a big deal. Yeah, and and I I guess that's kind of why they did that with that episode is like you know this is I mean this is like the early '90s so this is before internet was really widespread and everybody was like on social media and stuff like that so they were probably thinking like you know not all the comic book readers are the show fans maybe not all the show fans are comic book readers yeah yeah there's yeah there we want to make this that. a big deal. Yeah. that aspect to it yeah i mean i i don't know like i i i i'm trying to remember like i mean there there definitely was that aspect where i i always you know there there were certain things where especially if like this like i i really enjoyed this mini series and the the event that that it sort of made out of these two miniseries and everything and kind of the same way i enjoyed a lot of the early dark horse aliens miniseries so like I, I I think those are my earliest examples that I could think of of like a, you know, the the film or the TV show or whatever invalidating something I read in a comic book and 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 having that sort of miffed feeling over it. But I don't think I, I guess just to put it in context, like Alien Three really 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 bought you know like bothered me in comparison to the you know, the, the, the dark horse series. Whereas I think this, I, I don't know if I just, you know, may, I don't know if it's like, Oh dude, you're, you're all mellow now and more well-rounded or some shit. But like it was uh, for some reason, I think I, 
I, I accepted that a little bit more, even though it disappointed me because it was like one of those things where I was like, oh, well, but the modal imperative and this and that. And I was like, well, well, OK, like that's still it's still cool that they're doing it for real and they have to do it a little differently than they did it. Before. You know what I mean? Like I was just kind of like, OK, you know, I, I, I guess I was a little more accepting of of that, you know, that that had to be an eventuality and everything. Right. It, it would have been really cool if they could. I mean, of course, they didn't know this. I mean, the, the logistics would be almost improbable. But, like, I think, like, the closest they ever did to a true crossover in the show that actually, like, resonated as as this happened in the original series and it has, like, some sort of impact in the series that's going on. I hate to say it, but I think it was actually Trials and Tribulation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I I guess so. Yeah, I mean, they they directly go back in time, right? Like so. Yeah, yeah, and they're like kind of having to like you know, duck and dodge like you know various Enterprise no no uh no number no uh, letter uh, crewmen and stuff, and you know it's like they they actually do a lot of cool callback. You know, they're like you know they they're like what that's a Klingon. They don't have you know bridges. And it's like. We don't talk about that. <laughs> this, I'm not saying this isn't a callback or the Spock episode isn't a callback, obviously, but I'm saying like, what, what I was, my original idea was, is like, it'd been really cool if they could have done a, like original series episode and have it somehow directly linked to like a TNG episode. Yeah, like, I mean, that that that's more a matter of technology, right? Like they were using yeah. the Forrest Gump technology and, and, and trying to, you know, seamlessly you know, put it all together and everything. Whereas this is more of a, you know, uh, this is what Spock would look like in the next generation timeline. And because he's a Vulcan, we can, you know, play fast and loose and say, look, Vulcans age, you know, uh, you know, have a longer lifespan than humans. And we can, we, we can still have a, a reasonably, you know, realistic adventure with with mr spock even though it's hundreds of years after you know the, yeah. the original series and everything which which is interesting too because they play with that in this series the modala thing i mean i don't know if anybody noticed or not but the 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 main leader of the modalans stroika i mean that's that's the same guy we cracked the joke about in the the previous miniseries the guy kirk's like oh, i'm putting you in charge you know like and it's like well, they, basically, they, they, they said like you were here when they first liberated right him. right right and, and and he's got the white hair and that's i mean essentially it's like he got some white hair like i mean he's 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 almost uh magneto-ish you know what i mean he's still he's still got a pretty decent physique and 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 looks you know pretty well kept for being hundreds of years old right like so there's there's that aspect to the series too if, if there was anything that like I don't think really gelled for me in this as far as like I, I understand the reason that they were there, but that they they really seem to get kind of tossed away is like that the character like Urs and his like, you know, little angry protesters and stuff is like I thought something bigger was gonna come out of that with them. Well, I mean, the, that to me seemed to tie into, uh, you know, me saying that the tone of this felt like a next generation thing. I mean, th this is the difference, right? Like like when Kirk goes down to the planet and there's oppressors and oppressees, he basically tells them, lift off your shackles, go kick their ass, right? Like that's that's the vibe of the original series. That's the tone. You know, the tone of the next generation. The, no, no, no. But the tone of the next generation was more about diplomacy and, and reaching compromise and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I can make fun of it all day long because Picard surrenders and yada, yada, yada. But I mean, the tone of it was supposed to be like, look, here's two groups that don't necessarily see eye to eye and get along. And Picard was supposed to be, you know, the the magical facilitator, right, that that comes in and goes, look, even though you guys are at each other's throats, I'm going to make you have find common ground. And I mean, that's basically what happens at the end of it, right? Because it goes from Stryka having the one guy who he thought was like the greatest right hand man ever, who becomes a toady and betrays him to the Ferengi and yeah. he loses respect for. And this, this other guy, whatever his name was, Onyx or whatever the fuck his name was, right? Like, 
he was constantly criticizing the regime and kind of going, hey, look, you know, there, there's things you're not listening to. Like, we want to protest. We want to, you know, set, set set things up a little differently moving forward and all this other stuff. And and they found that common ground with one another when they're, they're basically they're both willing to get killed by the Ferengi to retain their principles. And they realize, oh, well, we, we each have more in common with each other than we think. And even though they're fighting in the middle of the sewer or whatever, and, and Spock's like, look, the logical thing is just to let these emotional idiots fucking have at it, right? But Picard, like, the tone of the next generation has always been, look, I'm Picard. I'm going to, you know, hash this shit out and we're going to we're going to make you surrender. We're going to make you surrender to one another and everybody will be happy or whatever the fuck Picard does, right? And that's I mean, to me that's that's certainly the the, the tone of the next generation. And as far as that character, I mean, th- that character seemed to serve the purpose of that, right? Like that that I mean, he wasn't necessarily forgotten about. Like he he showed up, he caused problems, you knew there was tension between the society, even though supposedly it, it had joined the Federation and everything was perfect, right? But then, you know, even later, he takes a hand in helping, you know, against the Ferengi, even though because of their past conflict, like Stroika thinks at first, that he's betrayed them to the Ferengi. But that turns out, he, yeah. and Stroika again learns, right? He realizes like, oh... No, I was yeah. wrong about that. Like he he actually tried to help against the Ferengi, but most of his supporters get killed. And by the end of it, that guy is Stryka's right hand man. Like so, I mean, that, I don't know. Like to me, that's I don't know. I guess like I just watched so much Discovery, and I expected him and Stryka to kiss, and he was going to rip off the Ferengi's arm and beat somebody with it. I don't know. Okay. Watch too much Discovery. I don't know. Not enough Stryka titties for you, or or Onyx titties, or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Like my 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 expectations were subverted with 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 decent storytelling and not just random violence and cussing. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know what I did appreciate. I mean, you know, again, this is this is you know the old man yelling at clouds. But I mean, this is a four issue miniseries, right? It's not it's not padded, it's not compressed, and and there's I mean, this takes a while to sit down and read, and it's 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 a full story, a rich story. It's got a you know, it's got funny bits, it's got serious bits. There's you know, like like we said, there's probably not as much action as the the original series miniseries but that doesn't mean that there's not you know action beats and that that it's not uh character driven and compelling and and, and fun to read so i mean I, I wouldn't say it's dense either it's not like a, a chore to read it's not like you know no. massive word balloons and thought panels on every panel you know no but it doesn't it doesn't take you like two minutes to read the comic either no, no, it, 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 I, I give it a good 10 minute read. It's like, you, if you sit there and flip the pages, quote unquote, or, you know, flip your screen. But, but yeah, it, it, there's definitely a story there. It's not just, you know, haha, we're here, we won, haha, Star Trek. But, you know, I'm just, you know, wondering, like, do you agree with Derek Dustin or did you have any different take on the revolutionaries or were you pretty cool with how that played out as well? I'm fine with how it played out. Cool. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this, like I said, and and I enjoyed the first part too. But I think I I liked this part a little better, just because I I like the next generation. So, I mean, I I think I think there's also that appeal that this is the miniseries that actually has the crossover, right? I mean, the, you you need the first miniseries for you know for a frame of reference, right? But but it's not like Picard went back in time and teamed up with Kirk way back then. You know what I mean? Like this this is the only miniseries where there's actual crossover. So, I mean, you know, ideally like that's that that I I think for me, I mean, uh, even when I was in this shit, I think this was the one I was most looking forward to because it was like you you were seeing the streams cross, right? It was like there there was a tease in the other one that like someday the streams will cross and you're like, "Oh boy, here we are and the streams are crossing." Yeah, and it made sense. You know, that that's that's one thing that's always good is like, hey, McCoy's still alive somehow. I mean, like, he's been he's he's more plastic than man now, but you know, he's still kicking <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, that, that that was a funny odd line where he's like, I've had my blood transfused like fifty times and I totally rebuilt myself and I'm gonna have twenty more years even though I shouldn't be around, you know, like I was like, yeah. God damn, god damn, Dr. McCoy. Yeah, he just drinking his 
drinking his Kentucky bourbon at 120 years old. Right. And then, like I said, bulk ends, you know, obviously AIDS, you know, not slower, but they have just longer lifespan. So, like, because the whole, the whole point of the story is, for some reason, the daggum name of the planet, like, totally slipped my mind. Modala. Modala. The whole thing is to celebrate their 100 years, you know. And it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You would, you know, if you were, if for some reason you were alive and you were part of, like, a whole country or a whole planet getting liberated and somehow you're alive 100 years later, you'd probably want to be a part of that. You know, you probably want yeah. to go to celebration. Yeah. I will say that was one kind of artistic choice. That was kind of funny. I don't know why, but like the the little splash page in the first issue where we first go back to Modala, Droika is, is first, you know, speaking with the little like Toady, and then you know the other guy comes in. Just that like page where it's like this, you know, city cliffside, it's just like these like hotel signs, like woo, pretty, hundred years, yeah, free cookies inside. <laughs> <laughs> Space, space cookies, space cookies. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but no, no, I, yeah, no, I agree with everybody. I, I, I am at a consensus. Consensus. This was definitely like just a good Star Trek story. I mean, I mean that's really all you got to say. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I think that kind of wraps things up. So, um, I guess if anybody has any comments, questions, and/or concerns, if you're if you're concerned about the the Ferengi threatening to undress Deanna Troy. You can send angry, angry, angry emails to fanholespodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes, the backlog of episodes is over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We have all the backlog of episodes of comics. Motherfucker, do you read them for direct download? So, of course, if you haven't listened to the first Modala episode, you can go and listen to that or any other Star Trek comic-related episodes that you want to listen to. You can direct download them over on the blog spot. We are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter. Fucking Twitter. I hate Twitter. Instagram. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Instagram. Uh, uh, we appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares. And if you keep your insanity away from me on Twitter, I appreciate you. And uh, we uh, can be found on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. So, until the next time, uh, thankfully not getting bonked on the head, this is Derek, Derek WC, signing off. It's Mike. This is Admiral Justin signing off. Admiral. This is Tony, and uh, having naked females is part of my culture. Don't don't culturally appropriate the Ferengi. You'll you'll be in bad shape when it's all said and done. Right? Was this was it was this before that, Justin? Was this before they like they had made that a part of Ferengi society that the women walked around naked? Did they establish that in one of those TNG episodes? Like, did they establish that where they capture? You know, I I thought yeah, I thought that was pretty early on because there's a reference to. Menage Troy, yes, yeah. because they the one Ferengi guy says, "Oh, isn't this the same Picard that like lost his shit when you captured Luoxana Troy, and now yeah. we have his daughter?" You know, like so. I, I think all that was set up, like you know, long okay. before this miniseries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the only reason I made that joke is because, like, yeah, according to Ferengi, women do not wear clothes. So, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, until 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 you get into Moogie and all that shit. Yeah, until you become the Grand Nagus, you know, shut up. Moogie fucked it up for everybody. (laughs) Moogie. (laughs) Jeez. Way to go, Moogie. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Moogie. (laughs) I won't stand by and watch the end of Ferengi society. Not me. The line must be drawn here. (laughs) No further. Thanks, Moogie. Now we gotta wear clothes and go to work. <laughs> I'm just gonna sit by here and stand around while you wear pants. <laughs>
I mean, you know, it's kind of like OnlyFans or, or, or Moogie revitalizes uh, current society. One or the other. <laughs> Got to pick one, guys. Got to pick one. Moogie want pants, too. <laughs> I bet you leather chairs were not popular on Ferenginar. <laughs> Hot summer day, leather. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it's always get... raining on Ferenginar, so they probably don't have leather furniture. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> they have plastic furniture. <laughs> I've got lawn chairs out on the porch. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. Lawn chairs with those holographic uh, foil <laughs> tape things on the side. That's how you know it's in the future, Derek. <laughs> Man, the future Oh, Clark, sucks, you've, got the, you've got the shiniest chair in the whole town. <laughs> the future's... How it sparkles. 